Why is our little mascot on his back? He's sleeping. <laughs> we call for time. <laughs> you have one job. Podcast dot. You have one job to cheer us on. You can see both of us at once. <laughs> <laughs> He's so wall-eyed. The gift of being wall-eyed. <laughs> oh my god, I forget <laughs> until I look at him how crooked his eyes are. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello, and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And here we go again. Yeah. How's it going? How's it going, Mom? How you doing? It's good. What number are we on these days? Four hundred and fifty. Funny you say that because I did try to write the number in my notes and I ended up writing two hundred and eighty-nine. <laughs> so welcome, yeah, welcome to episode two hundred and eighty-nine. We both feel like this has been going on a long time. In some ways, it's like I can't remember what life was like before <laughs> podcasts. I know. And in other ways, I feel like we just started. And then I think, wow, true. we've done like at least 25 because we had the big episode the for big 25. So 25. we're like 28-ish, somewhere in 29. there. 29. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. For sure. Pretty good. I know. Getting close to 30. We're still here. We're still doing it. <laughs> You haven't gotten rid of us yet, people. Woohoo! And we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. So thank you so much for listening today. And see, I'm thanking them at the beginning, okay, so that I can then thank them again at You're the just end. Kind of doing it's an Oreo sandwich. situation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the people who listen, we have a new review which I did post on our social media, but I want to call them out here. Also, it is from Laedra. Laedra, L A E D R E. I don't know if it's someone's name. But it says, listen no matter what. It's a five-star review. It says, even if you don't know anything about psychology, you'll be entertained. Bonnie and Anna have such great connection, and their laughter is contagious. You'll enjoy it. Aww. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That makes our day. And I know that a friend of ours um, just kind of gave us a little personal note on Facebook. And so we thank Laura for listening. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, because she's a busy, busy lady. She does lots of things, but she makes time to. Man, listen. she powered through. The last you told me, she was on like. Yeah, she eight. said. Yeah, she and said then, she was not. And very then the far. other day, she was like, "Oh, can you guess what episode on I'm on?" And I said, "Oh, you can't be past the teens, can you?" She yeah. goes, "I'm on 24." Oh my God. <laughs> How do that's, you not get tired of us? That's her I per- get tired of us. <laughs> that's her personality, though. When she, <laughs> she wants goes. to do something, she gets it done. She's yeah. a go-getter. So thank you, Laura. So what are we talking about for episode 29? I think this is kind of fun. I We're like talking it. about the psychology of color. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. How, how color affects how we act sometimes and how we feel sometimes and Mm -hmm. our perceptions of color Mm -hmm. this one's pretty near and dear to my heart because i i was an art major in school 
my clients are always very surprised when I tell them this. Even though I have all my art hanging in my office, they'd never know it's from me. But I was an art major before I became a psychology major. I was a graphic design major, and I uh, decided I didn't want to do that. So I switched <laughs> switched to psychology, which is my minor. But I still did finish school with an art degree, mm-hmm. and so I just really I just really enjoy this kind of stuff. I'm going to try not to get too artsy nerdy with it because that seems like another podcast. <laughs> I was thinking of that, though, when I was doing the research. I was thinking about that this particular topic would mean more to you because yeah. of your artistic abilities. Well, and I think the things we're going to talk about, at least the things I found in my research, I, I do think they're used in kind of psychology and especially marketing. It's really used in marketing heavily. Right. But it's also used in like art history and art criticism and like critiquing symbolism and meaning in paintings and, and other art. So mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of linked to that a lot. But the way we're going to be talking about it is more like how it affects different aspects of us and how we perceive the world. Right. And I don't know how we begin this by saying kind of it's not a real science (laughs) well-researched part of you know it's not like we can point to like we sometimes do in our podcast a specific theory etc or even like the history sources really right right. and like I I, several of the sources I was looking at I'll call out a few specifically that were especially bad Mm -hmm. but there were definitely some that made some wild claims or even some pretty benign claims and then I would try to research them in terms of like studies Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find the studies or if I did find studies they were like Eh, inconclusive yeah so it's kind of it's there's some extrapolating going on here so if you think that we're making a mistake know that we're not making a mistake the sources that we're taking from are making because a we don't make mistakes we don't make mistakes we just copy and paste don't get mad at us so we often start with like talking about history but yeah, we're not going to do that. I'm like, we're kind of changing. Oh, we are. Well, she's pointing uh, so at me. I want to, I want to do a disclaimer here. Okay. That we already sort of, we're starting in the disclaimer section. We have yes. a disclaimer section for this one. So one <laughs> of the disclaimers is that our sources might be weird. Wonky. The wonky sources. So the second disclaimer is that we are coming at this from a Western perspective because we're Very in good. America. Mm-hmm. And so unless otherwise stated, the perceptions and the kind of meanings that we're going to talk about are from a Western point of view. Mm-hmm. And and perceptions of culture can certainly, or color, perceptions of color can so- certainly, I'm just going to take that whole thing again. <laughs> take two. We're going to do it. Perceptions of color can be cultural. Yes. I think what tripped me up is I have certainly in my notes Uh. between those two words. That's too many C words. (laughs) Makes me feel like a C word. So, and also other factors like gender and age can influence how we associate color. And not even culture, just kind of how we grew up just personally can influence how we like if we associate one of our friends with the color really specifically that can change how we perceive it or what are your parents favorite colors you know what was the kitchen's color when you were growing up yeah exactly like so i i know i always say like oh please tweet at us please interact with us don't tweet us and like well that's not how i think of yellow just don't Mm -hmm. because we know this is generalities we're speaking of but i think it'll be fun though as we go through the podcast when we're ready to talk about a color if you as you listen 
Susan. Pause, pause the podcast. Sipsters. And then think of how yeah, you think, think of, of that color. Well, yeah, like think, okay, you know, think what that color makes you feel and maybe if the, some kind of memories come back about that color. Because we do always talk about self-awareness. So as we're kind of given the generalities, yeah. you can like be giving yourself a little Or if assessment. there's a color that like one of us says, and this color is loved by everyone. And you're like, I ah! hate that color. <laughs> why? Think about why. Maybe... Did that color hurt you in some way? What did that, did that color, color do color you? punch you in the face one time? Think about it. Okay. Because I sort of talked about like what color psychology means. It just means mm-hmm. like that different colors mean different things to us. And, and like I said, how they affect how we feel and sometimes how we act and, and how we perceive the world around us. And it's hugely popular in marketing and branding and advertising. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit in our individual colors. Mm-hmm. In more artsy language, I'm going to go into some artsy language. I love when you do that. What we're talking about here is hue, Mm H-U-E. So not like a man. (laughs) (laughs) Hue, Hugh Grant. (laughs) We're talking about Hugh Grant in this episode. (laughs) Hue is the actual color of a color. I know that sounds weird, but like this is like red hue versus yellow hue. It's the actual color of a thing. This is distinct from value, which is how light or dark a color is, and chroma, which is how intense or saturated a color is. So if it's more like really saturated or really pastel, kind of. Mom's smiling at me. <laughs> ah, that degree does you well. Yes, look at me. Look, look at my art look degree. Look at my art degree. <laughs> my art degree. With these little words. Wow. Usually I <laughs> brag about my psychology degree on this podcast, but I'm going to do double bragging today. Go for it. But value and chroma can also affect how we perceive the colors. I mean, darker colors mean different things than lighter of the sure. same color. So sure. yeah. those also affect it. But kind of when we're breaking it down, we're breaking it down by the hue. That was good. Thank you. So we don't really have history to point to. But we can kind of sort of point to the idea that Egyptians used a kind of color therapy thousands of years ago. They were real into the idea that different colors, and they actually thought not psychologically as much as physically. They thought that yeah. if you were surrounded by certain colors, it would help to Yeah, I can't heal. imagine they did much psychological work. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. So there have been different things throughout history that, but as Anna already said, there's not a lot of real specific research. I did find a quote from Carl Jung. Oh, buddy. And we've talked our boy. about our boy, our Carl. Buddy boy. And his quote said, Colors are the mother tongue of the subconscious. Ooh. Mm, I Ooh, know. I like it. And this article that I read about Carl Jung and color and was actually talking about, you know, his supporting art therapy and the idea that art therapy was a way that we could. And you and I have talked a little bit about art therapy. And even just, you know, when you have a client and you have them doing some artwork for you in your art therapy and just the colors they choose to use. Yeah. And um, how they use those colors. But Carl Jung would have also believed that, because remember Carl Jung was the one that was saying that we're all kind of tied together through the universe all. Oh, uh, so he would have said that those perceptions come from our. From, right. Yeah. So our that past. They're in our us. Our ancestors. That's right. So the way that we feel about certain colors that, and the emotions that certain colors bring on are rooted in our ancestry, in our universality. See, I mean, that's interesting because I do think that's true, but I would say that's mm-hmm. the culture thing that I talked about. I, that yeah. we grew up in the culture, so it's not like built into our genes. It's just sort of. I think there are some things that are built into our genes about color, but Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think most of it is culturally brought on. 
Right. But, you know, you can even look at the things like that there are colors in nature that have, I don't know what the word is, through our ancestry, through our generations, through evolution, whatever word it is, it, those are colors of danger, you know, yeah. or colors that we stay away from. Or, right. Or colors that we think are safe because they're a certain color. So, Well, or even like, I mean, we think of brightly colored frogs being poisonous. Exactly. And stuff like that. So. Danger colors. Danger colors. Danger, danger. You might sometimes, if you do your own reading about uh, color psychology, you might see the term chromotherapy. That sounds like something you would say, Anna. Well, that means color. And that's kind of tied back to the Egyptians and the Chinese who used colors to heal and to try to tie into that idea that colors are therapeutic in that way. So can I just do one brain thing? Please do a brain Cause thing. Because usually you do the brain things, and so I feel a little out of my element doing a brain <laughs> thing. But I will try to do this. The brain thing is, you know, that our eyes, basically, when we, I know I'm going to say it not the right way for, for my art person across the table, but. Oh, I'll correct you. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you will. So our eyes, like the ear, you know, our ears obviously help us to hear. And that's the first thing we think of when we think of our ears. But our ears also give us our sense of balance. And so our ears have more than one function. Well, our eyes do too. Because not only is it that we see something. So like we understand that our eyes were created with those little light sensitive cells. I I remember teaching this even in the fourth grade. Mm -hmm. Known as rods and cones. Remember studying that when we were kids? in the retina at the back of your eye and they send those electrochemical signals to the part of your brain known as the visual cortex and that's what the visual images that we see that's that's where that is all processed in our brain however we also know that there are some retinal ganglion cells that respond to light by sending signals mainly to the central brain region that's called our hypothalamus That's the part of our brain that has nothing to do with visual images. It doesn't do that. Instead, our hypothalamus is the key part of our brain that helps to secrete, that does, this is my take too. (laughs) (sighs) The hypothalamus is the key part of the brain responsible for the secretion of a number of hormones. Was it secretion? Was that the word that you I I saw it coming and (laughs) and the word secretion freaks me out just a little. Yep. There are just certain words that I don't enjoy. Secretion is one of them. Secretion. And when you say it creepy like that, it's (laughs) Sorry, you were mid-windering there. So... The hormones, we know, control many aspects of our body's self-regulation, including our temperature and our sleep and our hunger and our circadian rhythms. Okay. Which I think is really cool. So that's an important so, little brain part. Exactly. So that's all tied to like our exposure, like when we're exposed to light in the morning and specifically like blue-green light. It prompts the release of a hormone called cortisol, which we hear about all the time these days. And our cortisol stimulates us to wake up. And it also inhibits in our body the release of melatonin. So that was the way our brains were created, that when we saw that morning light, it was time to get up. Right. You know, it was time to wake up. The kind of downside of this for, well, what I want you to really hold on to is that our eyes seeing those colors are not just seeing the colors, but they're connected to a part of our brain that actually also has some physiological stuff going on. Yeah. So so it's not just a cognitive thing. Exactly. Or an emotional thing. Exactly. You could think about this like the idea of, of how we react to, to color and light. Maybe you've heard of uh, 
seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. And some of you might even deal with this in your own life, that during the winter when there's not as much sunlight, when there's not as much daylight. That's a common thing. That you you feel depressed because, and it's not just your imagination. It's actually something that's happening in your brain because the hormones aren't being released as they would be on a, quote, normal, end of quote, kind of time of your life. So one other thing I want to say about that, and then I'll, I'll be quiet about the brain, is that unfortunately in our world today, this is where we could talk about the idea of the blue-green light of our computer screens and our phones and our tablets, etc., that we continue to put into our brain late at night. Mm-hmm. And that continues, remember that blue-green light that our brain associates with daytime is inhibiting our melatonin release. And so the blue-green light is causing us to not have the melatonin available to go to sleep. So it's not just like, oh, you shouldn't look at your phone late at night because it makes you distracted. It's actually a physical thing that's happening in your brain. I will say that newer phones usually have a blue light filter built in that Mm -hmm. will turn on at a certain point in the night. So if you don't have that active on your phone, check your phone because you may already have it. I use an app called Twilight that does it. You can change when it activates and when it deactivates. But at a certain point of night, it activates and then it filters out blue green light from your screen right so even if you are on your phone later at night it's i mean it's still not great it's still not okay to still do not it. great but <laughs> but i would say it's not as bad on that part of your brain it's not right. as straining on your eyes good point okay i'm gonna stop talking about the brain let's okay. just talk about colors or uh, okay, do you want to well, have something gonna, else you want to do i'm gonna make you keep talking because okay. we're gonna go we're gonna go rainbow road rainbow here. we're gonna go roy g biv roy g biv is exactly what we're doing so the first one is red i taught that in fourth grade too roy g biv red is my favorite color i know yay red when i when i pitched this episode to mom or when we were figuring out this episode when i said hey what colors do you want i said i know she's gonna say red so she's just gonna do red and she said the only one one i know for sure that i want is red (laughs) and i i do if i um i will not drive a car that's not red (laughs) i just hey hey, mom how's your insurance premium I have to have a red car, um, which if you look it up, you'll find all kinds of things about people who drive red cars. And most of them are true about me. So, (laughs) yeah, that's me. Um, Red is associated with energy, danger, strength. This is all me, isn't it? Sure. Power and determination and passion and desire and love. So very high level stuff. Yeah, so it's passionate stuff, you know. Passionate both good and bad, actually. And again, this kind of goes back to what you said, Anna, about our own... Uh, experience with red because red has been known to perhaps make people angry or make people is that why you're so, out. You're so angry that's why i'm all angry all the time <laughs> so you're driving your red car around like god just <laughs> drive my red car and jump out and yell <laughs> at people ah, that's it's not me. true of all the things you do have road rage is not one of them <laughs> Of, I like how you said that. Of all the things you have, we all mother. have a lot of things, good and bad. I didn't specify good or bad. I think you have many great qualities. Oh, thanks, Anna Badana. Okay. So red is considered what we call a warm color, and it evokes strong emotions. 
it attracts more attention than other colors duh, because it's just bright right <laughs> it just yeah so they have done some studies but again whenever we talk about studies i i kind of have to like put remind you of what we said at the be- very beginning about studies not being <laughs> we very, know nothing yeah we know nothing. they say there's <laughs> some studies out there well i actually found some studies about why red causes higher arousal too can i stick this in here yes please do because one of the things i found was it's because red has a much longer wavelength right than than other color like mm-hmm. the red kind of roy g biv is arranged in like longest wavelength to shortest wavelength right and because it has such a long wavelength in how we perceive color then it causes higher levels of arousal exactly and we'll kind of circle back around to that when we get to purple yes yeah so there's a good reason yeah why why it's so yeah there's a neurological reason so you so everybody all y'all <laughs> <laughs> You let that one hang all, all, for such a long all time. Y'all, all sipsters. All, Think y'all. about how you feel about red. You know, when you see red. We were just, Anna and I just went to a little tea shop and they had little whistling teapots that were so cute. <laughs> but I right away, like, I immediately went to the red one because I'm just drawn to red. It's mm-hmm. just what, and I don't know. You know, when I was a kid going to Catholic school, we had the most butt ugly <laughs> uniforms they were red plaid jumpers okay and yeah. oh my god they were ugly and <laughs> i was a carrot top i was a redhead oh with, so you look like a bottle of ketchup. oh my god i looked awful and, and at that age when my hair was brighter colored i did not look good in red even though i loved the color red i hated those uniforms and i looked bad in it <laughs> <laughs> But what it taught me at a very young age was I shouldn't wear red. Sure. And so I was well into my 20s before I wore anything red, which is my favorite color. So mm. You're always wearing it on the top of your head. I know. It's always there now. It's always there. But they have done, quote, studies that have shown <laughs> that it does uh, sometimes can actually enhance our human metabolism and it can increase our respiration rate and raises our blood pressure a little bit. So maybe that's why I have high blood pressure. <laughs> Surround yourself with a red all the time. Red, red, red. <laughs> okay, that's red. That's red? That's red. Because I am going to step a little outside of the Roy G. Biv and I want to well, talk about pink. Well, pink goes with the red, that so is that true. works. It is, this is the, the value thing I talked about mm-hmm. earlier, that pink is just a lighter red. <laughs> so, fun fact, pink is named after a flower. There's a flower called the common pink. The garden That's where pink. they got the name pink? The wild pink. The flower had its huh. name first. Huh. Because God like named the flower? Yeah. I, <laughs> Adam named Adam the flower. Adam and Eve named the flower, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> They must have had the name a long time ago to to name the color pink. Okay, I don't know who named the flower, but someone was like, oh, we need a name for that color that that flower is. They're like, eh, just call it the same thing. So pink is associated with femininity, which I will get on a soapbox about this a little later because I also have blue. So I'm going to save my soapbox for when I talk about blue. Okay. But pink is linked to femininity, innocence, gentleness, uh, being calm, romantic feelings. You see it all the time in Valentine's Day. It's very associated with romance and love. There's also optimism that's at play when we talk about pink, like think rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. And that plays into how pink, like every color, has positives and negatives because rose-colored glasses isn't usually used for like innocence and optimism. It's used to connote naivete and like someone being mm-hmm. overly optimistic when it's not warranted. Right. It's linked to childhood sweetness and purity specifically, but that can also mean it's perceived as weak. And yes, there is this emasculating thing about it. 
And there's this double-edged sword of sexism and ageism, because I do think that pink is seen as weak and immature because it's childish, but also because it's linked to the feminine. And so there's this perception that is hopefully changing, I'm, I'm hoping, that girls are more innocent, and that means they're like less capable and less assertive when they need to be. So I think that is all kind of lumped into the pink color. And on the bright side, pink is being used as a symbol of women empowerment. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the breast cancer ribbons are pink, and, mm -hmm. and the message that is being sent with that is fight like a girl is one that I see on mm -hmm. all those breast cancer awareness things. So, so I think it is being reclaimed, and people are becoming more mindful of the perception of pink that we have. But it's also associated with calming. Uh, this is fun. There's a shade called Drunk Tank Pink, mm. and it's used in prisons to calm inmates, like in like in holding cells. Mm. But further studies showed that this is only at the initial exposure, and then once people are around it more often and they become accustomed to it, it actually causes more aggression. Oh, or, or, yeah, that's sort not of good. more agitation. Mm -hmm. So. Good for a drunk tank where you're just in there <laughs> just for a for night a bit, yeah. and it <laughs> chills you out. But then like bad for prisons where you have to be around it all the time. It's also used in sports for like the visiting team's locker room. Oh. Now, at first when I heard this, I was very upset because I thought it was like trying to emasculate them or something. But it really oh, is just, just a to calm them down. Yeah, yeah, it's to make them not as to take assertive. Away their, yeah, yeah, don't want to paint it red in there. Exactly. Yeah. And this is also where context is important because like... It depends on what pink is combined with. Pink and white is associated with chastity and innocence, and a combination of pink and black is like erotic and seductive. Mm. So, pink is kind of a sexual color. Well, yeah, because it's linked to romance and love. And so, it's either pink and white for purity or pink right. and black for right. the opposite. The yeah. opposite of purity, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And when it comes to branding, pink is usually used for feminine products and, and beauty and fashion, as well as children's toys more in general. Barbie uses it heavily, obviously. Victoria's Secret has a pink brand. Yeah. They literally call their stuff pink, mm -hmm. so not even trying to hide it. Uh, in advertising, it is used to increase the pulse, communicate energy, and encourage creativity. I assume that is linked with the childhood innocence thing. Mm-hmm. There's the pink tax issue, and I won't go too far onto my soapbox with that. I'm keeping, I'm trying to keep my soapbox over there for a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to save it. There is a disparity in how things are priced based on the pink tax, basically. Mm -hmm. That if, and what that means if you're not aware of the pink tax is products aimed at women are generally priced higher than similar, if not the same products aimed at men. Like razors. Razors are a big mm -hmm. thing, yeah. You buy a men's razor, like just a disposable razor and a woman's razor that are basically yeah. exactly alike. I got Except I think, one's pink and one's blue. I think it was, I don't want to call it a brand because I don't know for sure and yeah. I didn't put it in my notes, but there was like a scooter toy where the regular toy was like $22 and then the pink version that was literally functionally the same was $50. Mm. Over double. But it had the pink. Yeah, I know yeah. that's I know that's anecdotal, but, but that is, I mean, that is yeah. how it works sometimes. And in the world of food and drink, pink is often associated with sweets. And it has a strong color association with the scent of roses. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good thing. So that is pink. Do you want to talk about orange? Oin. Oinch. 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 
I like orange. Yeah. But man, I cannot wear orange with my <laughs> hair. Okay. So orange combines the energy of red and what would be perhaps perceived as the happiness of yellow. Mm-hmm. So it's it's orange is a pretty happy color. Well, you kind of want to punch someone, but you're really happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to, I don't know how to process <laughs> Is that, that. not it? Okay. Associate, orange is associated with joy and sunshine and the tropics, too. Okay, so yeah. we got lots going on there that's happy. And oranges. Oranges. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I... Orange, to me, is like fall, pumpkins, yeah, autumn. autumn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's a happy thing for me. Yeah. That's a happy feeling. Pumpkins. Right. Orange can represent things like enthusiasm and happiness and creativity, as well as encouragement and stimulation. This is, the more we talk about this, it's kind of feeling zodiacy. Where it's like every color is like, and it could be creativity yeah. and it's happiness. It's kind of the same. You know, I was this, this, I was literally this. thinking that, except without the zodiacy <laughs> reference. But like, yeah, we can basically say every Just, color is about yeah. happiness, especially when they go into. And if you like this color, this is what it means about you. Like, right. they're gonna get a hit because everything <laughs> is everything. Exactly. Exactly. Orange is often used to draw attention. Like if you think about traffic signs mm-hmm. that are orange or those vests that like uh, yep. road worker Reflective people vests. and, and uh, crossing guards wear orange and yellow and it's an energetic color that many sports teams use. There's a lot of sports teams that use orange in their uniforms or perhaps their mascots or their branding. Orange is the color of just in nature the beauty of like a sunset mm-hmm. or fruits like <laughs> oranges. Like the orange. Orange. <laughs> Here it says, orange is also linked to autumn. Yay. Aww. And the color of we're the leaves there, guys. and the pumpkins. We're, we're so we're close. We're so close. When we went into the tea shop that we visited today, she was like, our autumn flavors just got here. And I like beelined over. <laughs> pumpkin pie, yes. Pumpkin spice, yes. Cinnamon, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> so orange is heavily linked to Halloween, which makes sense because of the pumpkin thing. But it orange goes way, black. way yeah. beyond the pumpkin thing. So, Does it? Hmm. I don't know. Well, tell us about it, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can kind of have a, a cartoonish association. Orange is a color that's not really used for very serious stuff ever, except for the danger thing when you come into like uh, work zones and there are orange and yellow signs. But the yellow kind of trumps the orange a little mm-hmm. bit. But orange is one of the warm colors again. Where You know, when we talk about the warm, warm versus cool. the cool colors, so... Okay, that's as much as I'm going to do on each one, baby. I just go zoom, (laughs) zoom. Fun fact, orange is the new black, I think I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I couldn't find a study on that. (laughs) (laughs) But I could find a show that's really disturbing. Mom watches Orange is the New Black. I kind of stopped a couple seasons in. Mm, I thought they were done. I thought they were done. (laughs) They just keep showing up. They just keep coming up with more. (laughs) She's very upset. Whenever a new season comes out, she's like, I have to watch it now. Okay, yellow. I do have a fun fact for yellow in that it is one of the first colors used in art that was used in art history because of the availability of the yellow ochre pigment. Uh, There's a cave drawing in France of a yellow horse, and the drawing is said to be 17,000 years old. Oh, my gosh. So it was one of the very first art colors. And you can still actually see it. It's still, it's not... Uh, yeah. Yellow, yellow never fades. <laughs> is that yellow never fades? And well, I mean, it's also in a cave, so maybe just like the lack uh, of sun exposure yeah. has helped. On a more personal note, yellow was a favorite of Vincent Van Gogh. 
Mm. And Vincent Van Gogh is my favorite artist in art history. And he wrote about how beautiful it was. And it really did seem to energize him. He, he wrote in letters how the sun was so good for him. And he described it as yellow, bright sulfur yellow, pale lemon gold. He just had a lot of poetic words about the color yellow. And I mean, some of his most famous works are sunflowers. And he's just my special boy. I'm not going to talk about him too long. I just love him. But yellow is seen, like you said, as very happy and very friendly and warm and charming. It evokes positivity and spontaneity. And again, we have the contradictions where yellow is also associated with optimism and energy, but on the other hand, with kind of duplicity and jealousy and betrayal, Mm. like yellow-bellied. You know what Ah. I mean? So it's often associated with warmth and nature. That's kind of where that warmth comes from. Uh, When a room is painted yellow, it's seen as warmer and more inviting. Lamps that use yellow light seem more natural um, than just white light. So we associate it with the sun. Yeah. So how does that work with blue-green light, like you said? I don't know. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I didn't go that deep. (laughs) All right. Uh, Most visible color from distances is yellow. And like you said, it kind of goes with orange. But it's often used in objects that need to be seen from really far away. So school buses are yellow. Mm -hmm. Road signs are yellow. Police tape is yellow. So it's also associated with caution and safety because they are using it in those contexts. And that's where that cultural context comes in. I don't know if school buses are yellow in other places. So like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if they have that association. And this also has the double-edged sword where yellow causes fatigue to the eyes because it is so, so bright and so visible that it kind of makes us go, ow, ow, stop it. Especially when we have to read from it. I don't know if you've ever, like, you taught a lot of classes, so I don't know if people would ever do presentations and they would have, like, black text on, like, a yellow background. Oh, yeah. Or if you go to a website and there's, like, black text. Or, God forbid, white text on a yellow background. Stop it. (laughs) It's just very hard to read from. That's torture. It's both are bad. Uh, This is where saturation also comes in, where fully saturated yellow is much more energizing and also straining on the eye, and pale yellow is much more pleasing and uh, cheerful. Hmm. And that's, that's chroma. And then value, so darker shades represent kind of more decay and disease and that kind of jealousy thing. Think of like a dark... Hepatitis. Dark, yeah. well, <laughs> wow, it's very specific, but yes. Your Jaundice, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, your eyes turn yeah. yellow and you have hepatitis. Yep, gross, yeah. gross yellow. Isn't it weird though? Like, so you're, t- you know, we, we talk about one color and it's like, it's happy and it's da da da. Oh, and it's, yeah. Bleh, it's also sickness and death and danger. Yeah. All in one color. But it does, it does have to do with light, lighter and darker because right. lighter yellow is associated with like joy and right. intelligence and all that stuff. So I saw some sources that said it increased the nervous system and memory, concentration and metabolism. Uh-huh. But the source that said a lot of this qualified colors as living beings occasionally. Oh. So I'm going to okay. disregard that. <laughs> I don't. I was reading through and going, so, right, oh, sure. Right. Some of this sounds pretty good. And then it's like, and this is just, he's very thoughtful. And I'm like, they're talking about yellow. The color. The color is a thoughtful, thoughtful guy. Nope. We're going we're gonna to close this tab real quick. <laughs> you got to believe everything on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's on the internet. I don't think they true. were lying. That's what makes it scary. <laughs> they really believed that. All right. That's what I've got for yellow. 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 I that just was... had this conversation with somebody the other day because 
When I was a kid, our kitchen was yellow. It was uh, Papa's favorite color. Uh Uh-huh. And my kitchen now is yellow Mm -hmm. with sunflowers. Mm -hmm. I just, I kind of feel like a kitchen should be yellow, you know? I mean, like, I think the association comes in, like, that's kind of the first room you associate going into in the morning. Mm. So, like, having it brighter is better. It's a happy, happy place. Yeah. Roy G. Green. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to let you get there. So green is kind of the standard color of nature. It symbolizes growth and harmony and freshness and fertility. I'm not sure why one of the things in this little summary says, it's a strong emotional correspondence with safety. Why would that be? Green? Green I would assume it's because it's so natural. Because it's so linked to nature and... Okay. Our spirits mm. long to return to nature. <laughs> it says in my notes, dark green is also <laughs> commonly associated with money. I know it's like I have no control over the notes. Is that what you're laughing at? No, I'm, la- I'm laughing at when I go outside, I don't feel safe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's going to be bugs and nature. snakes. Ah, it is going to be scary. Nature's going to get me. I went outside, not even outside. I was in my garage for 10 minutes last weekend. And I got 18 bug bites on my oh. leg. And I showed you them. They're awful. Yeah. And I mean, I'm super pale and you can really see them on my legs. But I was in my garage. I wasn't even outside. <laughs> I was half outside. If that, my garage has air conditioning. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. I hate the outside. One mosquito got in. And yet, green is one of my favorite colors. Is it? Yeah. Well, green symbolizes trust, loyalty, wisdom. Confidence, (laughs) intelligence, there you go, faith, truth, and heaven. I don't get that one. Green, heaven. But then, you know, on the like we've been saying, on the other side of the coin, you're green with envy. Mm -hmm. That's a negative word. A lot of the the color phrases I found were negative. Negative phrases. Well, back in my my red notes, one of the red notes that I didn't read was redneck. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty negative connotation. Yeah. Yeah. Green is a cool color. Oh, we're to the cool colors. It's a cool color. It is a cool color. That just means it has sunglasses on all the time. (laughs) So you might also think of green like a good luck color, like a four-leaf clover. Oh, yeah, sure. But on the other side of that... The luck of the Irish. You have the jealousy and the the green with envy kind of stuff. Here's one of those weird quotes. Researchers... (laughs) Wink. There's always... Whenever it says, like, studies show, wink... (laughs) Like, you know, the studies, you know, the researchers yeah. wink that do the studies. The wink. ones who were hanging out with their good friends, the colors. <laughs> researchers have also found that green can improve reading ability. Some students may find that laying a transparent sheet of green paper over their reading material will increase their reading speed and comprehension. I'm telling you, Anna, the researchers <laughs> said it. The researchers said it, so it must be true. I guess so. I think about, though, through the years, how many classrooms I've taught in that have had green in the walls. At least some green. And usually that ugly green. Well, I was going to say, I was thinking of, like, green is something you associate also with, like, hospitals. Yeah. Or, like, green wall. Like, that kind of pea green. Yeah, that ugly green. Which is not a pleasant green. No. And also, I think that green is so associated with, like, walls and, like, in hospitals that it can kind of have a negative connotation. But, again, green is supposed to kind of help with a calming effect. It's one of the cool colors. So, But that's also where the, you know, when you're going to be in a show and they say, wait in the green room. Mm -hmm. 
And I've always kind of wondered why they call it no the green, green room. No green room I've ever been in has been green. No. None. <laughs> but the reason they call it a green room is because it's supposed to calm you before you go on stage. Did they used to be green? I don't know. Hmm. Google that, would you? Okay. Okay. So green is thought to relieve stress and to help heal. And, you know, these days we talk a lot about being green, about saving our environment, oh, doing sure. things that are good for our environment. Uh, green has also been long a symbol of fertility. And it was once the preferred color of wedding gowns in the 15th century. Green was? Mm-hmm. Sure, because it was fertility and yeah. natural. And you may have had this, um, I don't know if they still do this, but I know that when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, this was a big thing. Eating green M&Ms was supposedly <laughs> oh, yeah, a that sexual was a big message. Thing that they would make you horny right? or whatever. Well, yeah. because when they came out with the green M&M, they're like, we need a lady mascot. And then she was like seducing all the man M&Ms. <laughs> so people were like, the green M&M must make you horny. <laughs> I think she came after that. I think she was designed because, I don't know. Was she? Well, I'm just saying, she, I don't remember the green little mascot people when oh. I was like a teenager. And oh, back, it was always back then when it was. And okay. oh, we, oh yeah. So you, wouldn't you, you think, wouldn't eat the green m and you think they would not make it like a sexy lady M&M just to get away from that myth? I think they like the myth. <laughs> like the myth, they're like, people are buying more M&Ms because they think <laughs> I, it'll make them whiner. I would not doubt that. <laughs> it helps our sales. Put no extra, bad publicity, yeah. baby. Make, <laughs> give that green M&M high heels and sexy legs. Do it. <laughs> so some of the positive, <laughs> I just don't know where to go with that. Um, uh, I found uh, Green Room. Yeah. One story like that might be an origin of it is that London's Blackfriars Theater in 1599 had a room behind the scenes which happened to be painted green. And uh, they, would, they would call it the Green Room. Wow. But also another source that I'm seeing says that it might have come from the phrase scene room. Oh, Right. Somebody just couldn't talk, right? <laughs> go, go, to, go, go to the scene room. Go to the scene room. The, what? What? Go to the what? The main room. Did you say green room? The main room. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go to the green room. The main room. <laughs> no, the main room. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm going to the green room. The green room. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, we crack each other up, really Anna Marie. We just embodied those roles. I felt myself being the old prop master behind this with a broom. Why did I have a broom? I was a prop master. Did that, someone need that a broom? Was improv at its best. We need to like go audition for Saturday no, Night Live. No. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm done with green. Except you know some of the words that we use with green are things like I have a green thumb. Did yeah. you warm yourself up? I with don't that have laughter? a green thumb. Yeah, I laughed really hard. <laughs> I cried. I wet my pants. My cheeks are pink because I'm so feminine. <laughs> But, you know, the negative is the green with envy. But, uh, you know, you're a greenhorn if you don't know what you're doing because you're new at it. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're green. green. You're horn. a little bit green at that. And green, yeah, that's kind of negative, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, that's all the greens. All right. You like green, though. I do green like green. Is, is one of your colors. Uh, my two favorite colors are like a teal situation, like a blue-green, mm-hmm. and a uh, silver Silver is my other favorite color. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a strong association with. That's why. So a little behind the scenes look. Mom was supposed to do gray today, and yeah. she's like, "I can find enough for gray. I'm not yeah. gonna do it." I'm like, "This movie." 
<laughs> Gray is not silver. That's true. I have a strong association with the metal silver. Right. Should I go? Should well, I it, tell you why? It's kind of sad. Is it weird? <laughs> it is a little weird. Is it kinky? No. Is it something you shouldn't tell is your mother? Is it cuffs? No. <laughs> no. It's, uh, so I always, especially in high school, I developed this kind of, I was second place at everything. Aww. And I was sort of, I was never. It's going to make me cry. No, I'm like, a, I've, I've accepted it. I've embraced it. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. I, I'm okay being second place at a lot of things. And silver is the second place medal. And so I, oh silver my is my spirit, my spirit metal i have a silver wedding ring i have all my jewelry is silver it's it's my spirit metal okay i'm a jack of all trades I it's like good it. that you embrace it it's good that you're self-aware i'd it's... rather be second place at psychology and art than being first place in either of them huh. I'm, not, I'm not second place in either of those things <laughs> no you're first place because you're my girl. Your first place. Well, about, yeah. We'll revisit the silver gray thing. All right, all right, all you right. You go all right, on. All right, all right. Go on. What's next? Blue. Blue. All right. All right. Pulling out my soapbox. Unfolding oh, it. Oh, no. Standing oh, on it. Geez. Oh, Get up on it. Okay. Let's talk about pink and blue. <laughs> so, there was a shift where... Once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a shift where pink went from masculine to feminine. The shift did not happen, as I have heard. As a result of Nazis. <laughs> Have you heard that myth? No. That the reason that pink is seen as a feminine color is because Hitler used it for triangles on uh, homosexuals to mark homosexuals during the Holocaust. Oh. I have heard that rumor before. Oh, that's horrible. That, but that no, is I didn't, why I didn't know that. it became. No. That is. That's th- not true. I'm snoping that. Okay. That's not true. The use of pink for girls and blue for boys, it was a gradual thing. It happened decades before the big bad Nazis did big bad things with the pink color. Uh-huh. Actually, I found an article in the trade publication Earnshaw's Infants Department in June 1918 wow. that said, the generally accepted rule is pink for boys and blue for the girls. The oh. reason is that pink, being a more decided and stronger color, <gasps> is more suitable for the boy, while blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. Oh my gosh. So at some point, according to actually a Joe B. Paoletti in her book Pink and Blue, telling the girls from the boys in America, other sources said blue was flattering for blondes, pink for brunettes, or blue was for blue-eyed babies and pink for brown-eyed babies. So there were just a lot of things that kind of kept it separate for some reason. And gradually... It was kind of theorized that due to sailor suits becoming more popular, like those blue and white sailor suits for little boys, and also blue being used for school uniforms, that it was more associated with studiousness and seriousness, and then pink became more known as softer and feminine. So it's just been this kind of weird dichotomy that wasn't a dichotomy at first, and it was much, much more vague and much more So I wonder when it actually went boom. I think it was just gradual. I think it was just... I read something about like it having to do with like clothing dyes and and the popularity hmm. of of because because originally I saw that every kid just wore like a white frock and then because <laughs> it was like easy to clean you would just bleach it and leave and 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 eventually like clothing dye became more popular and so right. it sort of complicated everything basically we should all just go back to we wearing should. white frocks. <laughs> Okay, so that was my little soapbox where I'm saying, like, blue and pink being girl and boy is nonsense and we should stop it. I have a friend. Good luck, good luck with that. I have Anna. a friend who's having a, a girl. Um, she's having a baby. 
in a couple months and and she had a gender reveal party and mm-hmm. it was a girl and i was like okay i can start buying very cute clothes and in my head i'm not going i'm going i'm not buying her all pink stuff but then she said to me don't buy her pink stuff oh. and i said oh okay cool so i'm gonna buy her all kinds of dinosaur stuff probably <laughs> So blue. Let's get back to blue. Okay, so blue. box put you away. Fun fact, blue is the world's favorite color. Good job, blue. <laughs> Good job. He's putting his sunglasses on. He's too cool He's for this. He's famous. He is a cool color as well. So a YouGov survey conducted in 10 countries across four continents showed that blue is the most popular across the board. Hmm. Uh, Between 23% and 33% like blue most out of all the colors listed. Huh. So I put it like, and and that's not even like, oh, it's a little bit ahead. No, it's like up to 20 points ahead of other colors. Wow. Like it's very clearly the outlier. It doesn't have to worry about getting it. Yeah, no, it's not going to. So let's unpack why it's the world's favorite color. There's a lot to blue. Blue is a complex guy. There's, <laughs> Mr. Blue is He's an complex. enigma wrapped in a mystery. I'll tell you about blue. Blue is mostly just like cool and calming. It's often associated with stability and productivity. It can also be associated with sadness. I mean, we think of Picasso's blue period. I'm so blue. So blue. Why? Yeah, why are you so blue, man? <laughs> And like we talked about earlier, uh, blue's wavelength is much shorter. It's on the shorter side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it causes less arousal. Uh, several sources I found said that blue is seen to increase productivity. I could not find any of these studies. <laughs> like the studies that I found were, like I said before, they were like, eh, could be. Yeah, okay. sort of. Okay, okay. But it, it is kind of, every every source that was just talking about the color psychology said that it was for productivity. So that's pretty widely held belief. I just couldn't find any specific studies that said it. It's just that more people like it. So they say, yeah, I I like it. I'm happy here. Blue is not a very appetizing color. Like restaurants probably aren't going to use blue in their their decorating. The Mm. reason I saw for this was that blue isn't very naturally occurring in food in the natural world. Oh, that's true. So we're kind of programmed to be averse to it when it comes to food. I mean, like... We don't want to put it in our mouth. Yeah, it's like, I'm not supposed to eat that. (laughs) Like... Blue? blue I don't put that in Blueberries, I guess. That's kind of the only one. Hmm. Blue raspberry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think... Blue... The blue parts in Bomb Pops, you know? Yeah. Very naturally occurring. Yeah, it's just not very very natural. Hmm. In 2000, Glasgow, like the city... Installed blue street lighting in certain neighborhoods, and they reported, and this, like, even the thing that I saw that said this said, this is anecdotal. They reported finding that there was reduced crime in those areas where they installed blue lighting. They theorized that it was because it had a calming effect. Hmm. Yeah. I saw a study about blue lights, too. In Glasgow? In Tokyo. Oh, in 2009, blue lights were installed at the end of the platforms of the Tokyo's railway line to reduce oh, suicide. To reduce suicide. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Did it work? My study said it they it's, didn't know. It says suicides fell by 74%. Wow. At stations that had the blue lights. Wow. But maybe that was just because people were like, something <laughs> What's weird. What's with this blue yeah, lighting? Yeah, something weird going on <laughs> They're here. They're like, this like, is all completely movie. off I'm of their leave. game. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, if that's true, 74%. That's good Lord. significant. Yeah. 
but it was supposed to calm people down. Yeah, so they did. The thing I said, I saw that said that said the effect of this technique has been questioned, although mm-hmm. it didn't really go into specifics. So, mm-hmm. like anything in science, it's like maybe not. Eh, maybe not. More study though. is needed. That's where, what I read everywhere. More yeah. study is needed on this topic. So I am going to go back to the art thing for a second. Blue has been really important in art for a long time, uh, but it did show up later in the art game. For as prevalent as blue is in nature, like, you know, all of water and air, all of it, it's, it's very hard to find good blue pigment. It took them a long time to perfect hmm. blue, and then they started using it a lot once they did. Blue is really common in advertising and marketing because it's so calming and secure. So lots of industries use it from like healthcare to technology to finance. Um, it's used to promote calmness and reliability. It's especially used in social media apps and websites. Like huh. a, a lot of really popular sites use it. Think Twitter. Tumblr is blue. Facebook is blue. It's just so calming. I think it just like we get lulled into staying longer. Huh. You know what I mean? So it's just a very unobtrusive and secure color. Hmm. And that's it for blue. Purple? Purple. Well, purple combines the stability of blue and the energy of red. What more could you ask for? <laughs> That's what it says in my notes, Anna. I don't Anna. know. I'm okay. just reading my notes. <laughs> um, you said the same thing about orange. <laughs> um, purple is associated with royalty. It symbolizes power and nobility and also like luxury and ambition. Uh, purple also has a very strong uh, spiritual tie. Yeah. Um, not only, I mean, significantly a lot of organized religions use purple and violet. Purple is Catholicism. Yes, yes. For different different seasons and different symbolism. Sometimes purple is seen as exotic because it doesn't really occur very often in nature. Sometimes, you know, we think of it as kind of being exotic or or in the very least artificial, you know, like something right. something unique. It's not just going to happen naturally. Very very seldom do we see those colors, those bright purples. It said in my notes that people tend to either really love purple or really not like it. It's like an intense kind of color. Yeah. So you either really like it or you really don't. There are lots of different symbolisms for purple. In the United States, you might think about the Purple Heart, one of the highest honors of bravery in our military service. Mm -hmm. In writing, we use the phrase purple prose sometimes used to describe writing that has extremely imaginative or maybe prone to exaggeration kind of. I've heard purple prose used negatively quite a bit. Yeah, purple prose. It does sound negative, doesn't it? Because it's like floofy. It's like fluff and not really substance. Exaggeration, yeah. But this goes back again to when we were talking about red having the longest wave. We're on the other end now. So we're to the shortest. So visually purple is one of the most difficult colors to discriminate It has the strongest electromagnetic wavelength, being just a few wavelengths up from X-rays and gamma rays. And for this reason, it's often used in visual illusions. Cool. Magic. That's really cool. That's a magic. Purple. Purple is a very, in my opinion, like just a small step away from red. Like purple is a small step in this direction away from red and orange is a small step in the other direction. So, well, on the color you know. wheel, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like as far as my, when I think of the colors. Like associating the yeah, colors. Yeah, yeah. I like purple though. You have a beautiful purple shirt on today, oh, Anna Marie. Thank you. Does it make me look royal? It makes your eyes look very blue. Oh. Which is beautiful. <laughs> beautiful blue eyes. Thanks, That's purple, ma'am. baby. All right. So that's that's the... 
rainbow, but we are going to do some of the neutral colors. You should talk about brown, I guess. Brown. I know. I don't like brown. I'm sorry, brown. <laughs> I like like that rich like. Brown's a like, poo color. Wood brown. You know what I mean? Like brown can be a beautiful brown. color. Like it that, just like has that negative. brown eyes. Oh, yeah. They're very pretty brown eyes. Yeah. Like bedroom eyes. I think bedroom eyes are brown. Bedroom eyes? Like they're trying to seduce you, bedroom eyes? Well, yes and no. I mean, like the some of the most handsome eyes I've seen in men are a very deep brown color. Okay, well. So I think I that's where I associate it. Not like, yeah. Okay, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> use that word. I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. I realize it's I'm hard for you to I'm deal with confused. your mother's sexuality. <laughs> it's really not. It's surprisingly not. It probably should be harder. <laughs> Yeah, we talk too much. But brown is a very natural color. Uh, it occurs very often in nature, from wood to soil to human pigments. So natural, like hair and eyes and skin. I mean, there are just lots of variations of brown in our mm-hmm. world. Um, so it's got a sense of strength and sturdiness about it. It can invoke feelings of warmth and comfort because of that sturdiness. But it can also bring feelings of loneliness and sadness, especially in bigger quantities. Like, you know, a desert, you know what I mean? Mm. And it can be associated with plainness and rusticness and poverty. And that's especially in art, when it's used in art. But let's go further with the last part on on why it's negative. And the public opinion surveys in in Europe and the U.S., brown is people's least favorite color. Only like 1% of people chose it as their favorite color. But it was chosen as the fifth most popular clothing color. Huh. And it was also chosen as the second most popular color for living rooms and the fourth choice for bedrooms. Hmm. So I, I think that is because it is so so neutral and so secure and we natural. Call it like earth tones. Yeah. Yeah. That earth is big. tones in your living room. Right. And I think this is where value comes in again because there's a huge difference between painting your living room like a dark brown versus like a beige color. Like a lighter brown. And as I was writing it, I was sitting in my living room and I was reading this going, who wants a brown living room? (laughs) And then I like stopped and looked around and realized that my walls are like a beige. I have a wood floor. The doors Mm -hmm. are brown. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's very brown. I've just never really noticed it. It just feels very natural to be in there. It's just so neutral. I didn't even think about it. (laughs) That's what neutral does. (laughs) More generally in terms of value, lighter brown is more friendly and warm and darker is is the more sturdy side, but it also is the sadder side, like darker brown is Mm. kind of more oppressive. In marketing, brown is associated with reliability and dependability. UPS uses brown almost exclusively mm-hmm. just to kind of invoke this feeling of, of safety and security. You can count on exactly, us. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's also heavily used in military uniforms, but from what I could find, that's more because it's readily available and it blends in with stuff. Right. <laughs> it's not like we want to be sturdy. It's like practical. Right. That's what I got for brown. Okay. White? White. Well, white's associated with light and goodness and innocence and purity and virginity, all that good stuff. It's good. (laughs) Thank you. That's what I needed. It's considered to be like a color of perfection. (laughs) I'm just going to keep doing (laughs) it. It's kind of spooky. (laughs) (laughs) And ghosts. It's associated with ghosts. And Casper is white. (laughs) 
Usually white has a positive connotation, although it could represent like being void, like blank. But even that sometimes can have a positive connotation, like a blank page, like you can start new on a fresh page. It's kind of a symbol of a beginning. Mm -hmm. It's white. It's pure. It's a symbol often in religion and spirituality of purity, of forgiveness, of new beginnings. Um, It's interesting that we talked in the beginning of our podcast that, you know, we're talking about Western culture Mm -hmm. because we're in the United States. And in our Western culture, the color white is often associated with weddings and hospitals and angels. You can go back to your singing. (laughs) And it's often that, that purity and cleanliness and even peacefulness. But in Eastern cultures, white is symbolically linked to death. And sadness. Interesting. Uh, it's a color that's used in funerals and other mourning rituals in Eastern cultures. Hmm. So that's quite an opposite effect there, isn't it? Because we wear our black here when we go that's to the true. funerals. I found it interesting. One of the notes said that, you know, it has become our culture to wear white as a bride. Where and originally that was to convey that the bride was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that many, many people that wear the white we're not virgins. <laughs> they went from um, like, okay, you wear green to show you're fertile to like white to like, we don't know if you're fertile because you've never tried this that's before. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, blue was also once a traditional color worn by brides. You I want blue. I want to throw that in. Yeah, because I did wear blue. But also my mother, want, <laughs> I can talk about your mama because she's in heaven, right? So yeah. she won't yell at me for this. I mean, Because might. growing up, <laughs> I was when shocked sleep when I found out that my mother wore blue because my mother would have gotten married in the 50s. Yeah. So, you know, in that time, it was very important. Like a status symbol. To be, to yeah. be a virgin Earn when you got married was wedding. like, you better be wearing white, yeah. you know. And I remember my mom, when I was a little older, and my mom showed me her dress, and was we were talking about why she wore blue. And she said, I was probably one of the only women in the area who, who actually deserved to wear white. <laughs> <laughs> Implying that she was a virgin, which she probably was, because she was a good Catholic girl in the 50s. But the wearing of the white now is more just a symbol of the celebration it's just of wedding being color. a bride. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's white. All right. Black is kind of that, but the opposite. Um, and the visual spectrum, black absorbs all color. It's the absence of light. And we've talked about hue a lot in here, but black is a color with no hue. I mean, it's like white and gray and black are the same in that. They don't have a color. Mm-hmm. Black is also something with just a lot of symbolism attached to it. And we have such heavy meaning into the themes of light and dark that it's hard to find much about the meaning of black beyond that. Black is associated heavily with mystery and evil and death and menace (laughs) all that good witchcraft yeah uh associated with darkness uh it's associated with darkness and night sort of lends itself to the association with evil and the witchcraft and stuff like vampires being dressed in black to like be in the night you know what i mean so i think that kind of lended itself to that with that either good or bad is the symbol of power and status that comes along with it and authority think of a sharp black suit or like a black credit card is a huge status symbol Mm -hmm. so i read that most car commercials will use a black many car commercials use a black car because it's right yeah powerful and expensive yes yeah luxury is a big luxury that's a good word Judges and magistrates dress in black, and priests dressed in black. Um, and I dress in black. Mom dresses in black <laughs> because she thinks it makes it's it look slimming. powerful. 
Um, Powerful and slim. <laughs> graduation <laughs> robes are black. Oh, yeah. As their seriousness and status symbol. Limos and official cars for government officials are black. Uh, until the 20th century, most police uniforms were black until they switched it to a less menacing blue color. Ah. Black is also associated with functionality. Um, and this is something I hadn't thought of before I read this on Wikipedia is actually where I got this. But in the 19th and 20th centuries, machines and devices were often painted black to stress how functional they were and that they worked. And I didn't think that there was much to this until I thought about it in my office today. And I looked around at my black computer <laughs> and my my black stapler and my black tape dispenser and my black Ooh. hole puncher. <laughs> Everything in my office. So I was like, huh, okay. Mm, very so, functional. And we're sitting next to a black TV. I yeah. mean, like a lot of like appliances are often black. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just associated with, and that might also be because it's neutral. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I, I think that's also part of it. But it, yeah, it might just still be associated with functionality, kind of in the cultural consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, in ancient Egypt, black symbolized life and death. Uh, but now, like mom said, uh, white is associated with the like life and black is associated with death and mm-hmm. mourning. Mm-hmm. Um, except in most of Africa and some of Asia where white is a mourning color, like mm-hmm. mom was saying. From what I could tell, this started in the Roman Empire, this whole black being a grieving color and a Hmm. a death color. And especially in marketing, black is linked to boldness and strength and mystery and formality and luxury and all that good stuff. But it's also just used a lot because it's easy to read on colors and black adds contrast to things. So even with all of its symbolism, it's also just neutral and common. It just works. We just use it a lot. Right. So especially when there's like black text, it's not necessarily, I mean, unless it's specifically part of the other design, it Uh might not mean anything. You mentioned it being a slimming color. So it is used a lot in fashion. And I found a few reasons for it being a slimming color. This is the only brain talk I have in this whole episode. Okay. Mom did the brain talk before. So one source I saw said it's because it hides the shadows of like lumps on our body. (laughs) And as I wrote that, I realized how much I hate the word lumps. It's gross and bad. I'm uncomfortable and I feel really ugly. It's bad and gross. (laughs) So probably a more reliable source. It hides the curves. Curves and shadows. (laughs) Okay. A more reliable source probably said that it has to do with our visual processing, especially how our eyes process contrast between black and white. Hmm. When I looked more into this, I found that we have on neurons and off neurons. On neurons are sensitive to light things, and off neurons are sensitive to dark things. Hmm. So the off neurons reacted to dark things on a light background, and they were more active when there was more contrast between the object and the background. On neurons acted differently. On neurons kind of fire the same regardless of the contrast. And the theory here is that evolutionarily, our brains needed to see things in the dark. Yeah. So regardless of the contrast, like if there's a white shape or a lighter shape moving across like a darker background, we're mm-hmm. going to see it. Mm-hmm. And like a black shape on a white background doesn't necessarily need that much attention. Right. Unless there is a really strong contrast between it. So when we wear all black clothes and then we're, I mean, most places we go, it's more lighter colored. Right. So it's going to be a more contrast for our visual right. processing. Makes sense. 
I like it. Black is also one of the first colors used in art. It was used way back in those cave drawings that I talked about. So 18 to 17,000 years ago, um, they used charcoal to, to make the black color. And eventually they got richer pigments by using like bone ash, which is super metal. <laughs> Very metal. Bone ash. All right. That's, that's black mostly. Do you have any other colors you want to talk about? I don't think so. Okay. I think we're good. I do. I don't usually do this. I do want to give you some sources because there is a lot that we probably didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. If you want to look more into this, uh, I looked a lot on verywellmind.com. If you go on there and search mm-hmm. color psychology. I got some from there too. That's a good source. It is a very good source. Mm-hmm. It's very comprehensive and it's just very easy to read. I got a lot from Wikipedia because I always do. That weird granola hokey source I found is color-meanings.com if you want to go and read some stuff about how colors are thoughtful and nice and <laughs> and they can be people. your friend too and they'll be your friend <laughs> i did get a lot of the value things from there they have yeah. good breakdown on like what light colors versus dark colors mean so i thought that was kind of cool but they also have the like and if you like this color here's what this means right. like kind of zodiacy. so i think what i would say just to end is that I think color is part of the giftedness of life and that you should you should rich. surround yourself with the colors that make you happy. Yeah. So like I love red and if yeah, red makes some people angry. It makes me happy. So I should put lots of red stuff around I'm me. I'm drinking red wine. It makes me happy. It makes you happy. So look at your environment and think about like the colors that make you happy and what can you do to maybe put an extra splash of color into your environment that just when you look at it, it makes you happy or it makes you calm or whatever it is that you need in your environment. Be self-aware of how those colors are affecting you how's that i like it okay do what makes you happy be happy be happy all right well you thanked the people for listening before do you want to do it again i will i would love to (laughs) thank you so much for listening and uh, we do encourage you to please listen again because we (laughs) want you to be here with us got some exciting stuff planned in the next few weeks that's right yes thank you thank you so much for listening you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sips Pod on almost everything. No, I think everything. Everything. I think we just keep it everything. So that makes it easy. everything. We're Freudian Sips Pod. Our site is FreudianSipsPod.com. Our email is FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. Please email us. I, I kind of want to start getting emails. Please email yeah. us. <laughs> I, we need e- to email us if you have like a question about psychology or a question about like if you want. I would love if we would start doing like advice like if we started doing like a fraser situation where we like got psychology questions and answered them that would be totally cool so email us if i don't get any emails i'll say it in the beginning of the next episode because i know if you're anything like me once this like end roll stuff starts you're like whoop next episode check out yeah yeah so i might say at the beginning next time we are on Patreon if you want to support the show. If you want to give us funds to buy other colors that we can put up in our homes, then you can support us on Freudian Sips Pod on Patreon. Please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you're listening. Um, I've been reading iTunes ratings when we shout out ratings on the show here. But if you, again, plugging our email, if you like send us an email of a review that you have given us on another site, We will plug that too because we do want to shout people out when they shout us out. It's a mutual shouting fest here (laughs) on Freudian Zipspot. So much shouting. We shout all the time here. (laughs) Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod. It sounds like this. (laughs) 